Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. You know, there's a lot of people out there who don't have the edge factor who still become popular because they do other stuff. You know, they, they write a screenplay, they do something else to help your career. It, it, comedy, stand-up comedy now in 2019, you could just quote JFK, ask not what comedy can do for you, but what can you can do for comedy. Ooh. Hot breath. All right, well here we go. Oh, he's fixing his shirt, fixing his hair. All right, hot breath verse. Welcome back to the Hot Breath Podcast. I am your host, Joel Byers, and today's guest is the true definition of a survivor in this world. Born in Mexico, immigrant here to America, after three attempts to cross the border, he lands in the hoods of Boyle Heights. A kid with a speech impediment that now became a comedian is pretty hilarious, but his journey here is not hilarious, where he started selling merch at LA Dodgers games to then selling crack as a teen dad after a stint in rehab he then jumps headfirst into stand-up comedy and the world is so much more greater for it he won last comic standing fun side note about that even though he won 250,000 most of that went to his baby mama for child support but just to show this man's true character he was still willing to donate a lot of that money that he had left back to his neighborhood. So this guy, his success does not come without a warm heart, and he has not only had Showtime specials, HBO specials, he has Netflix show, he has his own podcast, What's Up Fool, and now he is on the one and only Hot Breath podcast. Bienvenidos. Bienvenidos. How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. This is, um, I got to say, in researching you, man, you and Miss Pat are probably like your stories. Like, I had Miss Pat on here, and I was like, "All right, her story is like whoa." And then diving into your story, I'm just like, "How is he alive? And how did he even? How is he so not only alive, but how are you so nice as yeah. well? You know? Do you ever ask yourself that? No. <laughs> when you had Miss Pat, did, uh -huh. she, did she talk about? Um, I don't know. I, I saw a story of her when she said that. Um, she was stealing money off the cash register, and President Jimmy Carter came in. Yeah, at McDonald's. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. How old was she? She was she like was a, 60 I think now? she was young. I think yeah. she had two kids by the wow. time she was a teenager. Yeah, she was a teenager, wow. She'd been shot several times. Yeah. I mean, you've been beat up several times, yeah. and <laughs> you've just survived. Well, I got beat up, but it was my fault. I started the fight. I never got beat up because someone was looking for me or mm -hmm. a random beat down. It was so I deserved it. But you, you weren't more of a cash register. You're more of a shoplifter, I guess. Is that more? Yeah. Is that more your scheme? Not really like a big shop. Nah, not really a shoplifter. I got caught once in seventh grade and I quit. Oh, that easy. Yeah, I was not good. I was stupid. My friend, um, he made like a bird cage, like a, a box in wood shop, mm -hmm. and uh, we were putting candy in it and walking out. And then one day I decided to put a pack of Snickers in my folder and they got caught. <laughs> what happened? They just said, give it back? It was a family pack, like six 
fat sneakers. Oh, they got greedy. Yeah. Yeah. I even really stealing my. We're just, I was stealing M and M's every day. Mm-hmm. Every day I walk in there and I, I take the family pack of M and M's. Every day? Do you still do that? Not anymore. No. Okay. Not anymore. Like I, I, I not even. But like, um, I guess most most Irish criminals, or anybody like, who has stolen stuff or thought about it, like, I, I was the, I was with my wife in um, Saginaw. No. There's a Swiss a Swiss little town in California, in which past Santa Barbara, like an hour north. It's called Solvang. Okay. So it's all it's a little one mile one and a half mile town. And it's all Swiss, like the Swiss Alps. A lot of Swiss people there, a lot of Swiss stores. But um, it's all decorated like Christmas. So it's all lit up like a winter home, even in the summer. My wife and I are walking around, and I, I, for some reason, I just turn a knob on the door. It's open. Mm-hmm. I could walk in there. <laughs> it is open, one of these doors. Then I started walking. I, I, I locked it from the inside. I locked it so nobody else could open it. But then I keep walking and I lean, or start kissing, I lean to a door. And I was telling, wow, I could break into every place in here right now. <laughs> That's where your mind goes? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I'm leaning back and I hear the door like barely, like my weight was pushing it. <laughs> I said, and this must be a test. <laughs> Like a bait neighborhood. That's why I didn't know. You know like bait car when you go in yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It must be like a bait neighborhood. And you're you're making out with your wife when this is happening? Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm making out with her and I lean back. Just in a door. Like you and go a into a dark very, room and you're making out with your wife. Outside. Oh. We're walking around because it was like Christmas time. Oh, that's so lovely. There was Christmas trees lit up outside the neighborhood and inside the neighborhood. It was good. And your mind, you're making out with your wife and then your mind immediately goes to, oh, I could just rob this place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have to fight those urges? No. Like, I didn't know but if it's like ingrained. I, I felt if I was younger and unsuccessful, maybe. But I don't know like if um, if you ever run on a road with other comics, mm-hmm. there's always a shoplifter with you. <laughs> and um, or there's always a, a, someone on on the car that wants to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that, but there's always <laughs> somebody in the group that wants to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. So after a while, he's just eating power bars. Oh yeah. Then he goes. He starts robbing, stealing power bars. Mm-hmm. I actually did my my first little tour. I did. I was a hotel mini bar attendant, and my job was to clean out the expired food. So I just kept collecting all of the expired Cliff bars. So we went on this week long tour, and I just ate Cliff bars the entire time. Oh man. Have you done anything like that out on the road? Like just crazy, like besides, I mean, destroying hotel rooms and things like that. Of no, course. No, uh, when I was uh, working in El Paso, the headliner after radio, they took him to a a breakfast place, and um, Texas calls their taquitos. They call everything taquitos. Okay. It could be a flour tortilla. They call it a taquito. Okay. So there's no there's no such thing as a burrito like in Texas. There's burritos, but most of the Tex-Mex restaurants don't call it burrito. They call it taquitos. But they're, they're Houston and El Paso and those little areas, they're big on breakfast burritos for some reason. And that's something different from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And LA, there's only one delicious breakfast burrito, and it's called Rick's Burgers. Rick's Burgers. It's a chain. But th- if you go to Rick's, they got a fat-ass <laughs> breakfast burrito, bro. And they'll put whatever you want in it. You want to put a pancake in it, they'll put it in there. 
But um, you said that so like aroused, almost like we're talking so about a gross, like a female. So She's good. like sabrosa. It was delicious. <laughs> so then, um, so at, in El Paso they have little ta- little bur- little like taco size burrito um, flour tortillas. And let me tell you, man, the whole grill is filled with breakfast tacos. Mm. We're talking about ham and eggs, ham and egg and cheese, potato and eggs, chorizo and egg, um, machaca and egg, everything. And so the headliner, he buys 30 of them. And there's like a lot. He buys more than 30 because, what's up, fool? Good. <laughs> so um, we um, eat them all. I ended up, tw- I ended up after telling one of the comics, you know what, man? I'm tired of farting. <laughs> I am tired of having gas. Uh-huh. I sold everybody else. I mean, it, we, that, those burritos gave us so much gas. And you're trapped in a car? We're trapped in a, co- in a oh. condo, bro. And in a, oh, place. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only one restroom. <laughs> and let me tell you, Matt, the, the comedian that, and then like one restroom, so you have to wait for Gabriel Iglesias to use it. So, you know, he blows it up. Oh, yeah. It's funny, like, as big as he was, he never broke a toilet on the road. I did. Really? Just we're, sitting we're, on it? Yeah, we were like... <laughs> We're in Oxnard. And you know when you have to go real fast, you put down your pants, and like, I have a problem. I have never sat down slowly on a toilet. Because like, I'm used to those um, LA Unified School District school toilets, that hard, the housing project toilets. Uh-huh. So when I sat, it was like, this was a hotel toilet. So I, my room was on top. No, my room was on, on top, right? So I used that toilet, and then like, <laughs> water came out. So I went downstairs to Gabriel Iglesias' bathroom. What's going on? I don't know, man. I think that toilet's broken, man. You go check it. Go check it out, man. There's water everywhere. <sighs> so I went to go use his restroom, and there's water gushing everywhere. And <sighs> this is how irresponsible I was. I didn't even like offer to pay for the toilet, or, or I just said sorry. And then Gabriel got charged for it. And then Gabriel covered it. <laughs> I could just imagine him going up. One of my friends broke the toilet. <laughs> sure, it was a new fat ass. Right, 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 right. You did, so you just sat down I too sat hard. sat down too hard. Just like a relief, like, ah. Yeah. And then, I must have sat perfectly in a hole. I must have sat in a corner. And I'm, oh, I'm heavier now. And then the toilet broke. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the water just shot out. How long were you on tour with a Gabriel? We were we were um, probably in the beginning of my uh, the beginning of his stand up career because I was already Whoa. I was doing stand up already since '96, so I met him like in '98, and we went touring from '99 to 2003, 2004. You just met him at like an open mic, or no? I was um, I had a comedy room called Wild Coyotes, formerly Tortillas, formerly Daily Planet, formerly Gotham's. And formerly Prime Cut. Same <laughs> owner, changed the name, changed the menu, changed the staff, changed the prices, changed the taxes. Wow. So he, he changed the, He did it every year. Every time he got tired, he changed the name. But he kept you. No, um, when the, the comedy show was started by uh, some gay guy named Ron Williams. Okay. But let me tell you, man, this guy is no Ron Williams. He's a Filipino. And he's gay. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with gay, but... He was very snarky, you know. He wouldn't put me up. 
Mm. And he was like the he was running stand up comedy there. Like he started comedy there. Not me, not Jeff, not Willie. He started the comedy there. But I was a rookie, you know, I was like an open mic. I had to beg I had to I didn't know that protocol, like a show was booked. So right. I just went over there and I asked the like, guy, hey, can I go up? He just looked at me like snarky, nope. Like that. Nope. And I went there, man, I wanted to kick his ass. Right. I wanna I wanted I I, I I don't know why, but I just want to punch him in the face. The way he said, nope. <laughs> Is this so, the guy? Sorry, go ahead. So this guy, he doesn't exist. He's like a backup singer. Oh, so okay. the, the Gotham, it was called Gotham's, and it was Wednesday night. And let me tell you, it was packed. If that place held 200, there was 280 in there. Great. If it held 50, there was 100. You know, So that place held 90, there was 110. There was two packed. So they had karaoke after. So this guy was... Whack, bro. He was whack. This guy would um, host the show from the DJ booth. Oh, that's lame. Yeah, so he didn't even go up in full form. He'll go to. Oh, uh, yeah. Next up, Cherry Russell from the company store. Like a, like a stripper DJ, yeah. like a strip and club then DJ. Go up there and goes, yeah, whatever. So he had that show. Then after after a while, um, I started going there, and this other comedian named Willie Barcena and Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia, like. He started comedy when he was 16, and he was on Nickelodeon's, all that. Mm-hmm. No, Nickelodeon's Jimmy Neutron. Oh, okay. Jimmy ne- she was ne- Jimmy Neutron's friend. Um, I don't know his name, but the other guy. And he made money off that show. So that was his thing. He was young. And the other good comedian, Willie, he was, like, doing colleges already. He was making money, like, mm-hmm. five grand a show at a college. Jeez. And he already had, he already had two on the uh, development deal that didn't go anywhere. So he was known, but not known, like known. So the, those guys started hanging out there, and I started hanging around with Willie Barcena, and one thing led to another, and um, Jeff, somehow he muscled his way in and took Ron Williams out, out of the room. Like, he, went and got, he made friends with everybody, and Ron Williams was gone. And then Gabriel came through that show? Not, to a, not for a while. Uh-huh. So, um, I think um, Jeff Garcia went in on a, went, went on a Sunday night to get drunk, and he, didn't, and he didn't know that that was a gay night. And then Ron was there, I guess, so there was like a fight or, you know, Ron ain't no punk, man. He might be gay, but he ain't no <laughs> punk. I still would have beat his ass, though. Right? So that caused drama there, and they got rid of Jeff. So then Willie came in. And me and Willie Barcena, we ran that place for 11 years. That's great. Like, I booked the shows. I booked the shows. And he just um, hosted and, and got paid. He would, he would get paid for hosting and for booking the show, even though I was booking the show. Hmm. The budget for the comedy was $200. And he kept 100 So that was his. He kept 100 just for being there and not being there. So he, he kept 100 even though he was not there. Even years after he left, I was still running it. He was still getting 100. You, you were like voluntarily? Yeah. Like just. I was getting free stage time every Wednesday. That's incredible, man. And, um, but it was funny, man. I learned like comedy, like the comedian Jeff, he would tell me, hey, Felipe, hey, Doc, they're going to, they're going to, I want you to sign for $75 and give me 40. I said, all right. So I, I would give him 40, and I keep 35. 
So I didn't complain. So I, I just kept performing every Wednesday. And then that show moved to, they, they added two shows now, Wednesday and Saturday. So Jeff got into a fight with Ron and they got rid of him. So now I, me and Willie had it. And 1998 or 97, um, Gabriel Glesser comes in with some crazy looking cholo. Like, like this guy was a, they call him killer. What? They call him Cholo. That was the nickname, Cholo. And um, I liked the guy. He was cool with me. <laughs> you could probably smell your history yeah, on you. We, He's like, this guy knows. We, I liked the guy, and he walked up to me, you know, like a thug, like pretty much trying to intimidate me. Hey, homie. My homie over here wants to do his comedy. Eh? He wants to know you give him a little shot. And I said, where's your homie at? Over there, that fat fuck over there. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, well, you tell that fat fuck. If he wants a spot, he has to ask me himself because he can't be taking you everywhere. So sooner or later, he's going to have to speak up for himself. Boom. He goes, you're right, homie. You're right, homie. So we went over there and talked to him. And he walked over to me like a eight-year-old boy. Hey, man, can, can I go epic? So I said, sure, bro. You're next. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know the comedians there, man. <laughs> they were all late. <laughs> There were no other comics, so they were late. Perfect. So I put him up. He did like 15 of, of um, you know, like a young comic, you know. Yeah. Like you, you have dick jokes, and he, he did like voices, and all his voices were dick jokes. This is my impersonation of Marlon the Martian having sex. E.E. Mike Monk you later. You know, or this is my bit of, 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 um. You know those guys from MTV? Those guys, I forgot the name of the show. They're cartoons. Beavis and Butthead? This Beavis and Butthead having head, having, giving some head, you know? Wow. But they're all sexual jokes. Mm hmm. But, I, but people loved it, bro. There was nothing else like that, you know? There, were, there was only Paulo Francisco and um, Eric Spears, I guess. I didn't, know he, I didn't know him at the time. And they were the only ones that were doing like noises. Mm. James. James Anthony, no, J James Anthony the third or James Evans the third was another guy who did like voices, and Luke Torres, he probably was the best one of all of them besides Gabriel. So check this out, he's because he got my friend right away, and I told him, just follow me wherever I go. So we would go to places and perform, and a lot of places didn't let him go up because they don't know who he was, mm -hmm. who this fat guy, with bad teeth. You know, he was like not even twenty-one yet; he was twenty. And there was one time um, he, he, he wanted to, he never hosted a show. He goes, bro, you want to, I need someone to host a show. I can host it. Okay, you're going to host the whole show. So he hosted the whole show. And then, then all right, bro, what happened now? You're going to go over there and the manager's going to give you a slip. And it's going to say $75 on it. Give me all of it. <laughs> so it's my turn now. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Finder's fee. You so know? I think give me all of it. Uh huh. So then his pussy ass <laughs> goes complaining, bro. Like, I never complained. What? I never complained. I never told anybody what the deal was with the money. Nobody knew. So he he went to go tell Jeff, right? Whoa, that's bold. Like a crying little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he went to go tell Jeff. And what is Jeff going to do, bro? He's 22. He's young. He's like 
17, 19 years old, Gabriel's age. He goes, what the fuck, dog? Are you fucking, don't give fat ass no money? He goes, at least when I, when I have you sign, I give you four, 35, you keep 40. And I said, where is he right now? I said, go call him over here. So it was the three of us. And I said, man, besides me, who else have let you host or put you on shows? Who else, me, who has given you money? No one, right? Bro, I give you, I, you got a free lesson in stand-up comedy of hosting. You got to perform for about an hour, got to go try new jokes. No one is going to give you that. Don't you ever cry about money ever in your life. It's a great lesson for all comics. Ever cry about how much you got or nothing like this, because you're going to make money in the future. Oh, he made a, he's made a yeah. little bit, yeah. So he was always business-minded, I guess, from the jump. He was always... Well, he had a job. No one else had a job. Oh, okay. He, he had a, a job. At, he had a job at the, of like a kiosk selling T-Mobile phones or mm-hmm. Verizon phones or singular phones, whatever. Yeah, like. but he he's in like the one percent of comedy now. Like he's, I mean, he's he's like crazy. Top, top seven, right? It's incredible. Like just just the empire he's been able to build. Yeah, man. And like, what do you is is that something you saw in him early on? Of is like, there's something about him, or what do you attribute to that? And you've been on the road with him What's as well. Be, like, what have you the, learned? I think it was just the, the impersonations and all that. Oh, okay. People like that. Yeah, but um, we ended up opening. I ended up um, working with him, and he he got on that show Nickelodeon's all that. Mm-hmm. And. I got on a show called Que Locos in 1998, and I was on like nine episodes, and I ho- and I and I was a warm up act for, for the show. Okay, cool. So whenever a comedian didn't perf- didn't do well or didn't show up, I was the one that was feeling the spot. Okay. And I, but I was, me and Gabriel were booking the show. People don't know that. It was Roger Paul, Mike Robles, but Roger Paul only knows New York comics, and they were not gonna fly no New York comics to LA. So I booked the whole show with Alec Comics. I'm, I'm the one that got Don Rivera on the show. Really? You're the plug. I got people on that show that would have never been on any other show. Like, one time I saw Don Rivera, he said, um, how could I get on these Spanish shows? I mean, my, I could just, my name, I could just change my name to Herrera. Mm-hmm. So I, I yelled out, I got you on the show, and I got him on the show. Yo. This guy's a tastemaker here. But I used to book that show, bro. Like, I used to book that show. And I was good at it. Like, I, knew, I was always good at um, placing people. Because I used to work a security mm. job, um, watching stuff. And then one day, um, I, um, I I got the job as a dispatcher. I was saving that mo- company money on overtime, bro. Because I was like, sometimes like a, commu- uh, an, uh, a security guard is there for more than eight hours. Or he's there for 12, you got to pay him double and time and a half. So I would tell that guy, that, that security guard, I want you to wait there for another two hours or four hours, an extra four hours. So I keep him for 12 hours, and then I have the other guy come in four hours early. So I cover the ship, tw- uh, I cover the 24 hour shift with two people. They both work 12. You should be like a manager, or you should be an agent or something. Or sometimes, bro, be- there was no one else to go there and I couldn't find nobody. I would log on to my job, put on my uniform, mm-hmm. and go there until someone shows up. Are there any other big mistakes you know comics make early on that could um, 
it's like him complaining about money and it's yeah. really like when you're starting out and i mean even now i'm i'm a little over nine years into the game he was complaining because he didn't get anything <laughs> oh getting money <clears throat> he didn't get nothing but it's like yeah. a lot of a lot yeah. of comics especially now they see the internet and they're like oh i just want to blow up it's like well get good first yeah. and like just be grateful for I stage understand time that, like like there's a comic who emailed me on from san antonio a comic female comic and i never and i just give her one advice i just give you one advice don't ever worry about the money because you'll never get anywhere. Mm. He goes, if you worry about the money, you're not going to have fun and you're not going to be successful. And she responded, oh, why are you telling me that? Because you make money? So I shouldn't be worrying about the money? And she put a sad face. So I don't want to explain it to her stupid ass. So I, just, <laughs> I don't have that time, you know. Uh-huh. I, I just sent her the quote again. Now she could take that quote and walk up to the comedians. This is what Felipe told me. What they're gonna tell her? Yeah, he's right. Stupid. Yeah, you're. I don't understand how people say they're funny, but they they're only funny in their hometown. Oh. Like I have a friend named Mikey O, and he's from Chicago. He books every the biggest Latino shows ever, even Latin comedy shows. This guy pays cash, and he pays you before the show, all mm. of it. Before the show, I love those. Like if you're paying eight hundred dollars, <laughs> when he drops you up the air at the hotel, he goes, "Here's the money, man." I might not be around at the end of the show. Here's the money. He goes, don't bring it with you. Leave it here. He goes, there's too many people here that know you have money now. So I was cool. So he was telling I was asking about this comic. He goes, what's up this comic? You think he could come? He goes, let me tell you about him. He has a Chicago funny 30. <laughs> I said, what does that mean? He goes, those 30 minutes, 30 minutes are only funny in Chicago. Once he leaves... Chicago, he's back to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I've seen several comics like that here in Atlanta and touring around, too. Every street reference, every... Enough about Henry Welch. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> the dangerous man in comedy. I love the that guy. The dangerous man in comedy. That guy is so funny. He don't <laughs> care, man. Uh. I'm beefing with two comics and a rapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He he almost came on here back in the day, and then he kind of he kind of shied away from it. Some people just don't want to, you know. He, they he's talk. cool, but um, a lot of people like you have to baby step them and tell them what this is and how important it is to do any podcast. Mm-hmm. Because people listen, remember that the hundred or twenty, those twenty are gonna remember you. Yeah, and a lot of the urban comics, a lot of the younger, the older Latino comics, have no idea what a podcast is. Because the white, the podcast, the podcasting is still like an American thing, and um, a lot of like, a lot of like, a lot of people don't not even, don't even know. Like my fans, I tell them to listen to my podcast. I go, what what page is that on? Or <laughs> really? So I, I really gotta tell them, listen, man, I have a radio show on the internet. It's called the What's Up Food Podcast. It's so fast. So go look for a podcast, mm-hmm. and then look for What's Up Food. So I can't explain to them what a podcast was. I gotta tell them it's internet radio. But your your fans are so engaged. Like you you have like a loyal fan base that like you say something and they respond. Like that's I mean I, that could be the goal should be the goal of like every comedian. That's one thing I learned you know early on from uh, when I was hanging out with Willie Barcena, and um, we we met um, I did, I met him briefly. Um, what's his name? Um, Harold Williams. Okay. From the big, how, um, oh, his name? Harlan. Harlan Williams. Yeah, 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 yeah. And my friend told me, oh, bro, that, that guy right there. And then he pointed at Kevin James, too. 
they were before they were famous. Uh-huh. He goes, Kevin James, bro. He's like a major star on um, colleges. Like he, he was doing all the colleges. And so was Harlan Williams. And um, I forgot what I was going to talk about. Oh, so, so um, Dane Cook was, an, was like another guy that Willie told me, oh, that guy Dane Cook, man, he does all the colleges. Yeah. But Dane Cook did something that a lot of comedians were not doing, you know. And he was doing this before there was an Instagram, before there was a social media, before there was a MySpace. Dane Cook would show up to these colleges with a paper that read name, phone, no, name, email. What you like about the show? That's it. I was on that paper. Mm-hmm. And he, he had like all everyone's emails. So whenever he would come to a town, he'll email everybody, boom, whether it's 500 in that town or whatever. By the time MySpace started, he was the first guy to one million because he was doing the, the hard, the, the little stuff that no one else does. So when I, when I won last comic standing, I bought it like a, like a, I have a, webs- uh, a website and I bought, a, um, I bought this app where you could just log into my website, like, join my, hey man, follow, my, join my website. So I had, I had a, one of the comics hanging out outside and walking around, logging in people into my webpage. Mm. And um, some of the people who are still on my webpage, I have their emails and I send them a little newsletter, remind them I'm still around. I don't, I don't gotta do that much any, I don't gotta do that anymore. I don't do it anymore, but um, I used to do it. Yeah. And like, you tell this to like an older comic, anybody who's like over 50, they have no idea. Bro, fuck that. Hey, that's not how Eddie Murphy did it. That's not how Richard Pryor did it. That's how Seinfeld did it. Bro, they did it their way, but those comics, if they had your attitude right now, they would have never made it. Boom. Exactly. If Seinfeld had your attitude right now and your talent, he would quit. He would have fucking quit. Richard Pryor would have quit. If he had to do an Instagram, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He goes, those guys never had Instagram, bro. They didn't have to. He goes, they had, they were stars. He goes, there was not that mean. They had, when they were on Tonight Show, 18 million people saw it. You do a Tonight Show now, you're lucky if six see it or two, or you'll be better off if they watch you on Hulu. Yeah, those those shows now are more just like to have a good clip to send to bookers and That's stuff. That's it, bro. Nobody yeah. watching the Tonight Show. You're yeah. not gonna get famous. You're gonna get famous. Three ways. If you're interesting, you're, you have a big personality, because that helps a lot. If you have a big personality and you're funny, you're going to be a star. Because a, a lot of people say, man, if I just get on Joe Rogan, that's it. No, that ain't going to be it. If you're not a talker, like me, I'm talking right now on this podcast. Now, if I'm waiting for him, for the, for the host right here to ask me another question, and then I just give him a lame answer or a short answer. How far are we going to get? Mm-hmm. We're going to go through this podcast in two hour, one hour, and we're not going to get nothing out of it. So if you don't talk, if you have a problem speaking in public to people after a show, if you have a problem hanging out, Joe Rogan's podcast, Mark Marin, um, your mom's house, none of those are going to help you because you don't got it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you don't have the it factor. You know, there's a lot of people out there who don't have the edge factor who still become popular because they do other stuff. You know, they, they write a screenplay. Or they do something else to help your career. It, it, comedy, stand-up comedy now in 2019, 
you could just quote JFK, ask not what comedy can do for you, but what can you can do for comedy. Ooh. And like now ask what the country could do for you, and what the world you could do for the country. The country's already here. Mm-hmm. Comedy is already here, bro. Booming. What can you do? You know, what are you gonna bring different? Woo! Just mic drop on that one. For real, Yo, man. That's facts. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yes, comedy. Like, oh, I, like there's some comics out there who are like, who are like the norm. You know, like Gerald Carmichael. Probably don't have an Instagram or a Twitter, right? Or or a Facebook. Yeah. But you're not Gerald Carmichael. He had the Gerard, when you had, he had the Gerard Carmichael show when he had a Twitter. Then he got rid of it, right? He never had it. He never used yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think he was ever. But yeah. see, you, he's an exception, okay? I know you're going to think, how about this guy? He's an exception. Mm-hmm. The guy writes every day. He made the right connections, and you didn't. What was the third? You said the three ways a comic can get famous. You said be interesting, have a big personality. And what's the third? I think you said there, was gonna be, there were three. Hey. Hello. Um. Hotel be nice. Be nice to everyone. Boom. Gratitude, bro. Grat- like, like, like Jim Leland from fucking the Trailer Park Boys. You know, when you're gone and left, people are not gonna remember how funny you were. They're gonna remember the gratitude you had. You know, like, oh, you know what? Like me. Like, I would like sit at the Laugh Factory and not go up. Then I see Paul Rodriguez, and I said, well, wait a minute, he's Mexican-American. How am I going to get to know him? So I went to, as a bartender, I said, well, what does this guy drink? He drinks Irish whiskey, um, Irish whiskey. Is that with coffee? He goes, yeah, okay. So he came in, bro, and he sat down, and I went to, I don't drink, so I got my drink ticket, and I said, give me an Irish whiskey. I gave the guy two bucks, a tip. And um, I went to Paul Rodriguez, and I said, what's up, Mr. Paul Rodriguez? I got, here's your drink. And he said, thanks. And, um, and he sits it out. So I sat down with him, and he's having his drink, and he's talking shit about the comedians on stage with me. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought it was awesome. That's so cool, yeah. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, this, <laughs> and then he, and he's talking about this comic on stage. You know what? He, you know what? He's been doing those jokes for 20 years now. And then he followed the comedian that was making, he was doing peanuts jokes. And then, um, but they were not funny. Like, he would not deliver them right, I guess. And then um, Paul Rodriguez was up there. Hey, man, if you're going to do dick jokes, have the balls to say them. <laughs> say it. Commit. <laughs> Don't try to clean it up. <laughs> And that's true advice. Okay. Like, who's basically saying, if you're going to be a dirty comic, just be a dirty comic. Don't worry about it. Am I going to be next? Am I going to be clean next? Am I going to do I have to be clean? No, you don't. If you're a, if you're a dirty comic and you have a, a, a nice personality, you'll go far. Joe Diaz has never done a clean set in his life. In his life. Yeah. In his life. And I remember one time I was on stage and I was bombing. He goes, fuck it. I got to get the comedians to laugh at least. So I went up there. Man, I'm sweating up here like Joe Diaz showcasing for Nickelodeon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Fool the crowd laughs. <laughs> Joe Diaz goes up on stage. He's having a hard time, too. I'm sweating up here like Felipe Esparza trying out a new joke in front of Carlo Mencia. Hilarious. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> were, you, uh, were you cool with Carlos Mencia? I never him? met him. Oh, never. I okay. I never had a conversation with him. It was like passing by. I don't know him at all. Oh, okay. I know of him. I know he's done a lot of time in between comics. But that's it. Mm-hmm. And what you were talking about bombing, I always get comics to share their like worst bomb, like getting booed or something thrown at them. Booing, um, com- bombing happens like in a, a lot in the beginning of your career because you don't, you don't know how to use all your weapons. Interesting. It's like you're a Jedi, but you know you don't know how to how to swing your lightsaber, how to work your mind, how to pick up shit. That's stuff you learn on the way. Like I still bomb. But it's not, like, it's not like a bomb physically where everybody goes, man, that motherfucker bomb. But I know I'm bombing. Mm-hmm. Inside, I feel it. If I have to go to my, a joke that I did on my first special, I'm bombing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like last night. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I started off with because I have a set that I'm doing on, on Netflix in October. <laughs> And I already know it by memory. I know how to begin with it. I know how to whatever, right? <laughs> but I saw like the crowd not into that shit. And I, and I felt like a hack doing it because I, I already know these jokes, but they were getting laughs. But then I switched back to my other stuff. But the real bombing I've had where it was ugly was at that place, Wild Coyotes. Okay. And I was bombing, bro. Like I had my notes and then... um. That guy, Willie Barcena, he was like a bully, you know, like a comedy bully. Like, you, I guess you meet him everywhere, you know. Like, it's the kind of guy that uh, you're up on stage, and then when you get off, he sees your set list, he rips, he rolls. Get rid of these jokes, dog. Mm-hmm. But it's true. You like, get rid of them, you know. They're, they suck. But anyway, so I'm bombing, bro. Like, like I could feel that though, so my back sweating. Like, it was already sweating. <laughs> and um, my five minutes turned into, it felt like an hour. Yeah, I went through 20 minutes of material in two minutes. <laughs> yeah, I've been there for sure. <laughs> My mouth gets dry, bro. And um, I'm bombing. And I'm bombing. I don't know how to get off. That's the problem with bombing. You don't know how to get off. Mm-hmm. And Willie Barsena goes up there like he's my dad. And he he hugs me on the shoulder. And he he, he goes, he, he goes like, like, hand me the mic, bro. <laughs> So I give him the microphone, <laughs> and he walks me like off the stage, like hugging me. <laughs> Crowd's dying, bro. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. It hurts. It hurts, bro. Every step hurts. <laughs> it hurt you, bro. And I'm up there. He has sweat on his on his arm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. He goes up there. Give it up for Felipe. Give it up for Felipe, man. He tried. <laughs> he goes. He tried, man. That's all you could say. He tried, but he failed. Give him a pat for failing, people. He bombed up here, man. I mean, nothing worked. He was getting laughs, making fun of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he was getting big laughs, right? I was getting angry. I should fuck this fool up, right? And he, he was saying, man, he's, Latin, he's Mexican, man. You people are Mexican. He showed him no love. You should, that's what's the problem, man. We never stick together. 
you guys should have laughed even if you said knock knock jokes. Right in the crowd laughing, right? <laughs> and I learned from that mess. I didn't learn that bombing, right? Okay. I'm stupid, you know. I should have learned from that bombing. But it just hurt so much. And um I don't know if you ever ever bomb, but bombing can last three days. Oh, bombing will last till you go up again. And if you I bomb would, again, you might quit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say that. It lasts until the next show, and hopefully you can rebound. So this is, this is it, bro. I bomb on Chocolate Sunday <gasps> at the Laugh Factory oh, I've done on that. Sunday. Yeah. Bomb hard. I, mean, I haven't bombed there, but I've done the show, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's the name? Um, KT... Um, What's his name? T.K. Kirkland? T oh. to the motherfucking Kirkland. He's been on here, yeah. He's a fool, dog. <laughs> yeah. He walks, his, he had a homeboy with him, right? And his homeboy, like an old comic. Not even a comic, which made it worse. See what happened, young brother? You were up there too long. And I'm like, I probably tell him, motherfucker, oh, you got 10 minutes. I didn't run the light. After words, bombing and running the light. Oh, dude, <laughs> you're like, this will get him. You just this keep pulling him. him. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he goes, you were just up there too long. And then TK um, Kirkland told me, you're funny. But he goes, you're going to know your audience or whatever. Right? She said something like a, 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 he said a little advice. Hotel Lobby podcast. A little advice. But I forgot what he said. But he ended up being a good guy because later on in the future, he got me on, a, on two shows hmm. where I got paid. He got me on a Nick. Kevin Hart show he was hosting, and he got me another show that um, J.B. Smooth was hosting. So he's a good guy. I mean, he knows. So he got me. But I bombed so hard. I had to redeem myself. I said, I can't walk around with this egg in my face. So I, go, I, I looked around. I said, bro, where's the next urban show like, tomorrow? Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, Scruncho. He has that show at the Hollywood Park Casino. I said, I'm going there. What time is the show? He goes, nine. But they don't start that shit till 10. Of course. Like, Fuck, I'll get there at nine. Right. And I'll wait till everybody gets in. So I, as soon as I get there, they all knew I already bombed. <laughs> I mean, they all knew I bombed. So, Felipe, you had a rough night last night. Yeah, I did. Oh. And then he goes, all right. So I did that show. Bounce back. And then I met, and I, I met a comedian named Eric Blake. So I did the same jokes I did it, I did on Sunday, but I slowed it down, you know? I was mm-hmm. nervous, I was nervous. And I killed, and then um, a lot of the urban comics there gave me like a lot of advice. I think Eric Blake and Scruncho told me that, um, and Eric Blake, he said, listen man, when you do an urban audience, if you have a long story, try to say something silly on the way to the story, because these motherfuckers lose your ass. So I used to have a joke where I say that I'm, I'm, I'm sneaking this girl into my house to have sex with her in my, in my bedroom. My parents are at home. Everybody's home. And my brother's sleeping in the top bunk bed. So, man, you got to do the whole story, bro. So I went up on stage. And I said, like this. So I'm sneaking into my house. So I told this girl, walk over my dad. So I had to walk over my dad. Yeah. So I had a little tags along the way to walk. Right, 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 right. Then I, started, then I threw in, I started making love to her like a prison inmate. I added that. I covered her mouth, kept her mouth shut. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so that, that's what I learned. Details. But that, nothing, you know, that, that bomb, I bombed there, but I bombed the hardest probably in Tacoma, Washington. 
Because mm-hmm. I was a headliner. <gasps> and um, it was a bad, bad deal. Um, it was um, I, it was two shows. I did a show. The first show, I was supposed to get $700 okay, for two-nighters. One night in Hawaii and one night in Tacoma. So they f- they flew they got me a f- plane ticket and I flew out to Hawaii. And the night before, so the night before I got to see Hawaii for the first time, I met some Asian women. They were cute. I took a photo with them. I never been to Hawaii. I ate good. <laughs> I went to go do the show, bro. It was like no lie, bro. Seventeen people there, and that place was like two hundred. And the promoter was sitting in the front with a broken leg. So every joke, every time I worked a joke, I would look at him going. <laughs> I did the whole 45, bro, no laughs. Then I went to my room when I killed myself. So the next day, I'm waiting for, for them to take me to the airport. Mm-hmm. And um, they, take me, they take me to the airport late because they were smoking weed. And if I don't smoke weed, I wasn't smoking weed right then. So I missed my flight, Hawaiian flight. Oh. I talked to the and then um, I talked to the promoter. He said, "Man, your, your homie dropped me off too late. You know, I missed my flight." He goes, "Well, man, talk to them, man. Tell them your mom is dying. Tell them you're getting married. Lie to them." Like the promoter saying that. Bro. So I use the I use the money that they gave me half to buy another ticket to get to um, I think California at least. So I come California, I made it to California. Then I used 200 of my money to get to Tacoma. And instead they were going to reimburse me in Tacoma. So when I get, get to Tacoma, um, I guess it's tradition, I guess. His mother invited me to eat. I've I never been to no um, urban home, you know, no African-American house. So I, I'm with my hat. I sit down. She goes, oh, you ain't going to say hi to nobody? Hmm. You invited me, woman. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was never used to, so I sat down. She goes, she goes, we take hats off in this house. So I took my hat off. And they made me some fried chicken and macaroni and cheese. The chicken was delicious. The macaroni and cheese was like the last part. So it still had like the mold of the pan on it. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, right? It was the, it was my, oh, yeah. my piece was round. Oh, yeah, the crust. So I, I, there was a casino like nearby where I was staying. I'm looking like across the street, so I went over there. And I started gambling, playing blackjack, and I won like 980 bucks. And they picked me up to the show. I went to the show. Let me tell you something. For anybody out there that's a headliner, or you're gonna headline a show, or somebody calls you up and asks you, I want you to headline my room. Before you even agree to the headlining spot, you ask him, how many comedians are gonna go up before me? Who can I bring an opener? Um, Who else is gonna go up? What is this show gonna be like? Am I gonna be one comedian or a host and I go up? So I just said yes, you know, I said yes. I never, I didn't ask none of the questions. Was this before last comic stand? Yeah. Okay. So I'm at the Tacoma, Washington, and um, the whole world goes up before me. <laughs> they bring up the a rapper. Oh, what? 
the chef of the place goes up and tell and shows the plate of the specials. Like he's like this. Some dumb whack ass bitch does a Def Jam rap that sucks. I hate poetry, first of all. I like poetry read. I like to read it. I don't like to be read by people with attitude, you know? <laughs> so um so this comedian goes up, bombs, bro. Mm. The second comedian kills. But this guy, one of those guys that has like a funny, he's on Tacoma 20. Right. Like his shit was only funny in Tacoma. I swear to God. But all his references was killing. Like, y'all remember Junior from the barbershop? Ah! Remember when he broke his leg? Ah! They were running around the room laughing. And then and then the barber the barber was there, bro. Oh so my. everybody laughing at him, giving him high fives. <laughs> so after that thunder, bro, yes. I go up there and try to do an hour. They're like, who? Well, Felipe, bro, he couldn't hear a taco drop. He couldn't hear a taco crunch. And I go up there, bro, and I say a joke. And um, some guy's heckling me. But then he goes up on stage, and we're having like a roast battle on stage, bro. Right? And I said, and I, looked at, and I looked at him, and I looked at the audience. Chris Rock was right. There's black people, and then there's all you guys. <gasps> the crowd exploded, bro. <laughs> oh, they liked it. They liked it. Oh. They laughed. Gosh. And I said, thank you, good night after that. So it could have gone either way there. Yeah, I said, thank you, good night. <laughs> Did you do the full hour? Fuck no. Okay. Because they were heckling and yelling, uh, all rude. And the guy wouldn't get up on stage. And um, I, I said, no, you try it. And I went up on stage, you fucking suck dick. I was heckling him. Oh, okay. So then um, I just left. I said, take him to my room. So I went over there. Oh, my gosh. I was about to drink some tequila, and forget about my sobriety. I, I watched PBS, I think Frank Sinatra, I don't know if he had just died, or they were playing Frank Sinatra, that's live. <laughs> right, right, That's right. what people say. <laughs> right. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. Uh-huh. But I know I'm gonna play that tune when I'm back on top in June. You know, life, what it is, life is up, ups and downs. Yeah. So, I have my $900 still. So I didn't give a fuck if they paid me right there or not, right? So they take me to the airport, but I still haven't got paid for both shows. And plus they owe me for the flight. I'm talking to the promoter on the phone. He's in Hawaii. I said, man, I'm waiting for your wife. She hasn't given me my money. Oh, she's driving to the airport right now. She's going to bring it to you. The airport? She just took it to my hotel room. Like you said, she was going to do it last night. So I'm waiting at the airport. I'm by the... I'm getting close to the gate. I have like 25 minutes before they start boarding. And I'm thinking, should I miss my flight or wait for my money? So I said, fuck this. So I went, caught my flight, and I never got, and I called them up. Hey, man, she never showed up on the flight. Oh, man, she was waiting for you. But um, and then I, go, I told my friend, the guy who booked me, hey, man, your friend never paid me. Oh, man, he did that shit again. <laughs> oh. What kind of friend books you on a... Juan Dexter, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> he quit comedy. I do have his act. 
<laughs> I'm, joking, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but anyway, Juan Dexter. So, um, so think about Lesson this. Learned. Lesson learned, people. Mm-hmm. If someone booking you, and it's gonna be out of town, ask for a deposit. Mm-hmm. Even if, even if you're a young comic, like our host, it doesn't it doesn't hurt. The guy offers you five hundred dollars. Can you send me two hundred first? I can't. I can't do the show. You're not losing five hundred dollars. You never had you never had the, you never had the five hundred dollars to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was my thing from now on, asking for at least half. Because if the show gets canceled, at least I get money. And um, I learned lesson learned, people. I don't give a fuck if you've been doing comedy two years. Once somebody offers you money, just say they ask you how much you want to get paid. See, that's a trick question from that guy because always ask for more than you want. Say you only want to get paid two hundred. Ask the guy for six hundred, and work your way down to the, what you want. You're never going to work your way up. Hmm. Ever, ever. Hmm. You ask for five hundred. He goes, "All right, here you go." Well, can I get eight? You're not gonna get it. You're not gonna get it. Ask for the mo- the exaggerated amount always, especially if you don't have an agent. Just say, "Oh man, we can only pay you five hundred. Okay, does this gig include a room?" Is there going to be a green room there? It's going to be a, uh, a hotel for us where we could stay at. Well, there's no hotel. You could just drive back. All right, can we have 700 then? Because we're going to need gas money. We're going to need food. If you can't do the, none of those things for you, don't work with that guy. You know, you're not, you're not going to lose no friend. You're going you, to be better off. You're, you're going to save yourself a big headache. What's the balance between getting that stage time versus getting the money, especially as you're developing as a comedian? Well, if nobody's offering you any gigs, just keep doing stand-up comedy. Just wherever, whenever. Yeah. Okay. But if you want to make money in stand-up, I would say go to a restaurant or a bar that has the hottest Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like if that place is packed Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm pretty sure it's whack on Wednesdays. Hmm. And it's weak on Tuesdays. So you tell the owner, listen, man, how about we do a Tuesday two-for-one college comedy night? $10, two-for-one. And you tell the owner, um, I'll keep the door, and I'll split the door with you, or whatever. Whatever he agrees on. And then you just make a little bit of money. But always make sure that even if you're a young comic, try to make $50 at least for a show. Hmm. It ain't a lot. But $50 is gas, bro. It's gas. It's a meal. You need it. And you get 10 shows a month for $50, that's 500 bucks. You know, you got to figure it like this. Uh-huh. That's how I figured it out my rent. My rent was $800. My phone bill was $100. Um, my food was, what, for the whole month, for the whole month was 100 too, I guess. So you figure I got to make $1,100 a month. All right. Now, for those young comics that are trying to book yourself for comedy shows, and you you need the money for next month, you could just forget about getting booked for next month. It ain't gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Try to, right now we're right now it's July, right? It, it was June, June 29, June 28. So July is already here. You could just forget about getting booked for July. Try to get booked for November. Wow. See, so try to book your way ahead of time so you don't have to worry about December. If you could book December right now, 
with a bunch of shows, you're gonna be good, bro. And then you wear, you don't worry about December no more. Now you worry about November. You get November filled up, you got October. Now you got August, you got September, you got August, you got July, but the rest of the fall is booked. So July, you find a job, you know? <laughs> August, you open for somebody, whatever. But you try to book yourself, like just a guy that's booking a show for, November, for uh, July, oh, we're already booked up. Okay, man, how about uh, September? See, he, he, I'm pretty sure this asshole doesn't have September booked. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some ways you recommend getting booked? on these shows i would find out like if there's a headliner coming into town and we smoke weed show up and bring that for a fat sack okay <laughs> or or offer to drive him all week be nice get in where you get where you can't get in like like me that, me like with a young com that comic willie i used to drive him bro like he didn't he was an alcoholic so i would just drive his car I would go to his house, park my car, and I would drive him around everywhere. Try to be friends with somebody that's making it, you know, somebody successful, or start a or um, start a podcast. Or the best way I would say is this: like there's a, a comedy club, like Bonkers, or mm -hmm. or um, a Punchline. You find out um, who's booking the show and ask him, man. Hey, bro. How about we have a bonkers podcast? What do you mean bonkers podcast? While you headline, while you, when you get the headliners that come in, maybe they could come in a day early, and we'll promote the show on my podcast. Because like, people think that uh, like, they think too big. Like, oh, oh I'm never going to be like Joe Rogan. You're right. You're never going to be like Joe no Rogan. No one's like Joe Rogan. He started his podcast when podcasts first came out. Yep. He's at 11, 1500 episodes. Forget about it. Mm -hmm. But what you could do is be the hottest local podcast within a, with, between a seven-mile area of your neighborhood. Like, if you could be the hottest podcast in Atlanta, just in, just in Buckhead, think about it. There's no other, po other podcast in this town. You could be the only one. And you sell ads to the, the local businesses. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, you could walk up to a mall and pa and offer mall and pa. Listen, mall and pa. I have um, 500 subscribers within five miles of your restaurant. Give me $200 a month, and I will promote your show every fucking podcast. That's cheap advertisement, bro. Mm -hmm. And I, that's how we did it. Our first, our first ad was, a, was a, um, La, La Flor de la Reina Bakery. I told that guy, give me 500 bucks, and I'll promote your podcast for two months. Two months? That's very generous. Yeah, so we did it, and we told people, and um, he was our first guy, and then later on, um, we, we, got, we, had a, we had a guest from that show, um, I'm Dying Up Here on Showtime. Right, yeah. So those guys were promoting people, so they found out that uh, we're a comedy podcast. They paid us $1,500 to interview him. We would have interviewed that person for free. Right. We were trying to get a hold of him. He kept canceling. <laughs> so they made him come to our podcast, and they paid us. He didn't get paid a dime. Yo. But see, you, you just got to st stick around, man. Okay. My friend, um, 
Willie Barcena, he asked Jay Leno once, which one of your friends didn't make it? The ones who quit. Because I don't care if you're doing comedy for 25 years. If you're a nice guy, sooner or later, someone just take you under his wing. Like me, when I was struggling, even after like I got into a, an argument with Fluffy and we stopped talking and I stopped working with him, other comedians liked me. Like Angela Johnson, like mm-hmm. Angela Johnson, Sherry Shepard, not Sherry Shepard, yeah, Sherry Shepard from The View. Like one time I walked up to her and then I told her, how you, she asked me, how you been? He goes, not good. Mm-hmm. And she asked me, you need money? He goes, you need help? Like we're talking, about, she's a millionaire, bro. Like she's been on The View. Like she offered like, offered me like assistance. And I said, no, I'm good. And I thought I'm good. But I thought it was the sweetest thing ever. I've heard Russell Peters does that a lot too. Like yeah. he likes to support and help out. Man, I opened up for him and he gave me the most money I ever got for three shows. And then like, when he gave me the money with all cash, I said, who are I gonna kill? <laughs> <laughs> who are I gonna punch? Joe Coy, who? <laughs> Gary Iglesias, who? You tell me. <laughs> But very generous. He bought me a watch, and um, um, even a young comic, like the comedian Willie, like he would pay for all our meals. Gabriel mm-hmm. Glesser will always pay for all our meals. And if you're a comic man, this is all for young comics. If you have a girlfriend and you want to do stand-up comedy, don't take trips. Don't go to Hawaii. Don't go to New York with her. Don't go anywhere with that relationship that has nothing to do with stand-up comedy. Yep. It's tough. Yep. You love her, but you know what, man? If you really love, st- it's like, it's like um, when G- it's like being a stand-up comic. It's like being a disciple of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you gotta leave everything behind and follow me, and enjoy the riches and believe. Believe, bro. You Have gotta believe faith. in yourself. It's gonna work out. You gotta believe in yourself, cause in the end, you're the only one that believe, that's gonna believe in yourself. Hmm. And be happy. You gotta be happy, bro. You gotta be happy to do this. Like I ran into um, in the airport, I saw um, Chelsea Handler, mm-hmm. and I don't, know, I don't know the woman. I mean, when she was a, a comic at the comedy store, she was just some woman that I, white girl that passes by. You know, she oh, she's a comedian, all right, and. Um, I said hello to her. I just said the first thing that came to my mind. I love. Um, I just waved hi. She was passing by my seat, and I said, "I love your interview on Howard Stern. One of the, you're so honest." And then she said, "Thank you." But uh, if you look at Chelsea Handler's interview, if you ever look for it on Howard Stern, the first one, it, it really like resonates to me. You know, like um, her struggle and um, what she came from, like. She was like the first person in her family to have a checkbook. Whoa. I mean, she was talking bad about her family, you know, like they're not, they were not into it. Like they were like pretty much lame. And um, I remember helping my mom with her checkbook, you know, like doing, she was doing all the stuff that an immigrant kid does for their family. To translate everything. Yeah, right? her yeah. family was, I guess, not into anything. So she was, doing, she was working and supporting them and taking everyone else to dental appointments and all that. Whatever she was doing, she was running a household as a child. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very impressive, you know. That's why she she's where she's at, because she knows how to manage stuff. 
a lot of comedians come into comedy without knowing how to manage stuff, like mm. no skills. Like I would say that even the, the comedian, the one I started off with, this guy has a 12 tonight shows, bro, with Jay Leno. But he doesn't work social media. He doesn't know how to use Instagram. He doesn't know how to use none of that. But if that guy would have been the first to do it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I told you with Dane Cook, you got to know the, the latest. Like, if you want to learn what's new, just listen to Howard Stern. Okay. I mean, you listen to Howard Stern or any, like, any podcast that's relevant, like Joe Rogan or Mark Maron, you're going to know about the latest gadgets, what to get. Learn from other, or learn from successful comics like Kevin Hart. Like, what does he do every day? He gets up every morning. He gets on a treadmill. He works out weights. He, he does five hours of interviews. And there's a lot of comics who can't do interviews. Like, they go to radio, and they let the they let the radio guys do all the talking, and they leave the radio station without mentioning the show, <laughs> without mentioning. Word of advice for any comedian, if the, com if the first of all, when you get to the radio station, they don't know who you are, okay? They have a list. Oh, you're a comedian and you've been on this. They're reading off your Wikipedia or your resume as you get there. Mm -hmm. This is what you do. We have, uh, we have Felipe Sparza. That's right, Felipe Sparza is here, and I'm going to be the punchline this week. You say your name. And you say we're gonna be at. Mm -hmm. If you don't like the way the conversation is going, just every time they go to you, Felipe Esparza at the punchline. I learned that from Margaret's show. Nice. I was doing an interview with Gabriel Iglesias to promote his show at the punchline, and Margaret's show talks in, comes in. How are you guys doing, Margaret's show? I'm gonna be at the Woburn Theater. I'm gonna be at the Warfield Theater, eight o'clock, two shows. How you been, Margaret Show? I've been great. I'm gonna be at the Wolford Theater, eight o'clock. Margaret Show, eight o'clock. And she didn't say shit. Just put that. But the but her um, interview. <laughs> I've seen these two comedians do man cow. Mm -hmm. And man cow probably insult to the comedian, like, hey, you wearing makeup? And then he just stood quiet, like uh. no no interview is gonna go your way. You gotta make it your way. It goes back to you saying one of the best ways to make it is to have a big personality. Yeah. Be outgoing. You can't be lame, man. Yeah. Or if you don't know how to interview, go check out our go go to our app and go, how do I how do I interview better? Make good answers. Like if they tell you, what do you like about school? Lunch. Don't ever answer a question like that. What you answer a question like this so the listener can know what question you're answering. What I like about lunch, first of all, is lunch. I like burritos. I, don't, I hate standing in line. You know, I hate when I lose my, my meal ticket. Mm -hmm. Details, bro. Details. Details. I hate when you would ask a person a question and go, yeah, fuck that, dude. I want to punch him in the fucking face. <laughs> dude, if I don't get a long answer from you, you better get the fuck out the podcast. Yep. I hate when I got to do all the talking because people are lame. They're fucking shy. I hate it, bro. I hate when I have a, I got to do a podcast from our publicist and we have a young person who doesn't know how to do interviews. So you, you have a new album come out? Yeah. Okay, you fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it coming out at? <laughs> and another thing also, if you're going to be a guest on a podcast, 
as soon as you get off the podcast, go tell people you're on that podcast. Mm. If you're begging to be on a podcast, one thing I hate the most is you beg to be on my podcast, and then when I post that you're going to be on my podcast with a photo, and you don't retweet it. Like I did a, a podcast with this guy right here. Um, and I kept going after that comment, bro, when are you going to put the fucking podcast up? And he never even put it on his fucking page. What? Bro, I'm Felipe Esparza. You're nobody. I know who you are. That's why I, you're that's here. That's why I asked that yeah. guy. I'm no one. <laughs> uh-huh. I kept asking him, when are you going to put the podcast up? When are you gonna put, bro, I took time to do your podcast. He never put it up. I want to kill him, bro. I wasted my time on your lame podcast. You didn't put it up. Fuck that motherfucker, bro. Well, we're putting this when one. When Willie Barcelo kicked his ass, I was happy. A <laughs> <laughs> <Uh-oh>, word. <laughs> but the guy I started off with, he's crazy now, bro. Now he's, he's crazy? crazy, bro. I assumed he was back then. He found out that that comedian was doing his joke, and he was on his way to Vegas from Corpus. He made a U-turn and went to El Paso. And went to a restaurant and tried to kick his ass. Jeez. That's what you get, bro, for not posting that podcast back <laughs> I don't understand how you can have a podcast and not post it on your page and put your lame comedy there. I don't know. This one's going up, though, I promise. I don't want to get killed. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it, bro. What was the, real quick, what was the fluffy situation? What were you guys arguing about? Was it business? Or? Oh, it was business, bro, because he was, just say, just say, um, all the openers were getting $200 for the week, right? Just say, for example, okay. they were not getting that much. They okay. were getting way more than that. Okay. I was like, wait, what? But these fools are lame, bro, okay? And um, he, half of his act is about, about me, right? So he's imitating me too, right, and doing my nuances and kind of doing my jokes too. So I said, listen, man, you got to give me 24, 25 more dollars than these unfunny motherfuckers. I didn't say no else, because there's no else. I'm done, you know? So he couldn't do it. So I did the next best thing. Bro. Like, well, what do you do when, you, when you're not happy at a job? You start fucking up. <laughs> so I started getting drunk, <laughs> deliberate, talking shit to him. He goes, oh, fuck, whack-ass fool up there doing the same bullshit. You know, just talking shit, bro, getting his ear, being annoying, bro. Like, to the point where... I'm going to get rid of this guy or I'm going to beat his ass. Mm-hmm. I was just not happy anymore. And well, well, and I don't care if anybody knows this. I'll tell you right now. When, when we would open, when, I would, when we would do like a, a theater where the majority was 90% Mexican, I would only do five minutes on stage. When the, when the audience was all white, I would do 35. And the other guy would do five. So I'm doing all the I'm doing all the time, man. We're in Cleveland, Indiana, and I did 35. Destroy that bitch. And you have to do an hour. He kills two. But then we go to San Jose. You're only gonna do five minutes. And I say, why? Why can't I just do 30? Are you afraid to follow that shit? Ooh. I said that, bro. You, you afraid? said that. I said, I don't give a fuck no uh-huh. more, dog. <laughs> I want my 25 bucks. Yeah, I said, yeah. listen, man, I'll do five minutes if you admit to me that you're afraid to follow me. And he just walked away. Oh, you're going to be like that? And he just walked away like a fat, fat punk-ass little bitch, right? Maybe he was still mad that I took the whole 75. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking if it rooted back so from that. I became lame. I started getting loaded and drunk and doing cocaine and 
being a burden to everybody, and then they got rid of me. Mm. That was that. Yeah. No, no harm done. No harm done, and um, we don't get along. But that's fine, man. You know, the Beatles don't talk no more, bro. You know, nobody, <laughs> was, nobody was meant to get along. You know, you know, you grow out of people. You know, you move on. I don't know how long we're gonna be friends, but but we're gonna, we're, you move on. You grow out of people. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. And I don't hate that guy. And he was like very uh, instrumental in the beginning of my career, and so was I to him, you know. But you move on, you grow, you get better. Well, we have grown a lot from this interview, man. I appreciate you so much for taking the time to do this. Is uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else you want the world to know? Yeah, we have a podcast. Me and Rodrigo Torres. It's called the What's Up Fool Podcast. Sometimes Johnny shows up, and um, I'm gonna have a a show on. On Netflix, it's called Hentified, Gentified, and I play a guy named Crazy Dave. I'm in three episodes. There's hmm. ten episodes, so three out of ten are bad. If it was a full season, I probably have more episodes. But yeah, and um, I have a special on Netflix. Also, I want to tell you the comics. And if you're a comic listening, and you've been doing comedy for ten years, and you're funny, and you want a half-hour special. Or or you want a one-hour special? Do it yourself now, man. I mean, if you're not planning to move to, to move to California, and if you're not planning to move to New York or Chicago or San Francisco or Texas, I would say do your own special. You know, wait. I would say like wait till you ask to feature for a comic that's gonna sell out, and then record it at there. My first special, I recorded at the Denver. Denver Comedy Works. I put my camcorder, did 25 minutes, and made a bunch of DVDs, and sold them for 10 bucks each. Hmm. Shitty comedy. Still had the Memorex yeah. on it, right? They yeah. were just bootleg. A bootleg. Yeah, yeah. And my, I was waiting for a Netflix special two years ago, like a, someone, or a Comedy Central special. Never came. So my wife and I, we saved up money, and we shot it ourselves. And my agent sold it for a big profit to um, to um, HBO. Just say we, we paid $25 for it, we sold it for five bucks. That's how good it was. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's great. And your wife's your manager, yeah. so that's, it's good to have that team. Yeah, so now, you know, like a lot of, you have a, you have a, you have a cell phone, man. You have more technology than the, than the first astronaut that went to the moon. You could, re- you, could re- you could record your own special on a phone mm-hmm. and just sell it to your fans or give it to your fans and just promote yourself, man. Have a bumper sticker. Have anything, bro. Anything with your name on it. Have something for them to take, you know? A sticker. Hey, man, follow me back. Mm-hmm. Gold. Yeah, man. All right. All right, Hot breath verse. You just heard it from the man himself. When your pocket was called Hot Breath, I thought it was for comments who have stinky breath. No, it's for hot, has hot insight like you oh, do, yeah. man. And based on your experience, would you mind just looking into the camera, letting them know who you are and why they should listen to Hot Breath? What's up, fool Felipe Esparza? I'm on Hot Breath Podcast. You should listen to the Hot Breath Podcast because I hope I answered some of your questions. And it's podcast very instrumental for any young comic or even an older comic and also very entertaining to hear the stories or insights on people yes 
Boom. I appreciate it so much. Hell yeah. Felipe Esparza, thanks for being on Hot Hell Breath. Yeah. What time we do? It was uh, hour 15. That's awesome. I got rolling. Yeah, thanks. All right, Hot breath averse. there's an exciting bonus clip at the end of this outro where Felipe came back and was like, oh, hold on, I have to tell him about this book that really helps me with comedy writing. So hang out for that. This outro is just a quick reminder to reach out to Felipe on social media and let him know how helpful this was and spread the knowledge. Let other comics know this show exists for us, by us, to help us build and get better at comedy faster. So if you do enjoy this podcast, if it has been helpful to you in the tough times or in the confusing times in your comedy grind, go to hotbreathpodcast.com. There's a search feature. You can type in any topic and it's going to pull up all the relevant blog posts and episodes about whatever topic you're searching for. And if you do find this to be a tool that helps you in comedy there's also a support button where you can just easily donate a few bucks no donation is too small to help in this production up and running and it also goes to a good cause not only the podcast but i just interviewed some of you saw cedric the entertainer Shh. and we had to travel not we had to we got to travel to him and interview him in his green room before his show. So we're starting to get bigger names and with bigger names require uh, bigger travel. And if you want to hear more guests like said the entertainer, hitting that support button goes a long way or buying some merch or I mean you can you can buy your own hot breath fontis water if you want as well. All that's on hotbreathpodcast.com. But I appreciate your support in listening. If you want to take it a step further as we are rapidly approaching four years in this podcast existence four years let's make the fourth year the best and the best way we're going to do that is by working together and helping each other so if you want to connect with other listeners as well there's a facebook group called hot breath comedy network we're on there talking comedy shop and just learning from each other so if you want to connect with other listeners directly that's a great way to do that but i will not take up any more of your time if you want to book me personally joelbyerscomedy.com is the website and all that being said until next Monday which will be our four year anniversary right here on Hot Bread yeah tell them we're um, back tell them about the book you read sorry man um, I love you guys um, <laughs> I want to a lot of, I get hit up by a lot of people who don't know how to write comedy. And um, if you're funny already, you're writing comedy in your head already. But um, a lot of us, we, we need structure. And that's one thing I didn't have when I first started. I asked a librarian to help me find a book on comedy writing. And, and I have it. And when I was on Joey Coco Diaz podcast, he told me that he used the same book. Interesting. So this book is called... It'll tell you how to, how to, how to come up with ideas. It's called, come on, motherfucker. It's called. <laughs> oh, fuck that book. Judy, I I use like a. It's the called first the, one I read was a Greg Dean book, which I is had that pretty good too. for one-liners. It's called the the new comedy writing step by step revised by oh. um, Gene Perret. 
Gene Parrott. There it is. So that one's how we'll link that in the show notes too so, for people to check out. So this fool, like he used to write for like the old comics. Like so this, for example, I'll read a little bit of the book. When you see a comedian that you don't know you don't particularly like, it's usually not because he isn't funny. It's because the material doesn't build properly. All comics, even the great ones, have moments that are not hilarious. They can all be. During those moments, they are leading you somewhere. They are building. When they get you where they want, they hit you with a payoff, the big laugh. Then as a listener, you feel justified in having invested the time listening to the soft material. A poor comic often doesn't deliver that payoff. Consequently, you feel disappointed. Your time was wasted. You were used. The poor comic didn't need a whole lot of new material, simply a few strong jokes strategically placed. So this like this book helped me like brainstorm like uh-huh like some comic will teach you how to write but this play like it, this guy talks about like he wanted he, he was writing for Johnny Carson and Johnny Carson wanted a lot of vacation jokes so this guy he writes he tells you how to do a pattern so vacation is on top then he has five columns so on, the, on one column was all the vacations you can think of that people go to Hawaii whatever all the way down and then the other one was vacations that people never go to. Um, Dayton, Ohio. You know, just write down shitty places that nobody's going to go to. Mm-hmm. Then you write another place where things that people are doing, things in vacation, bad things that might happen in, in vacation. Like you might get lost hiking. So you have all these ideas now. You're really basically teaching you how to brainstorm. So when you have all these columns, you start putting jokes together. Like what have people said in, on vacation? Oh, I'm tired of walking. My wife is lost. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But then that, you use the, the, what people say will end up being your punchlines. So this is how the guy teaches you how to write. Wow. And if you think it's helpful, then yeah. I think all comics should definitely apply it. Yeah, it's putting like the good with the bad. Yeah. Like It was like finding the, the opposites and make, yeah. putting them next to each other and finding the contrast. Yeah, so that helped me a lot. And I ended up keeping that book. I never t- took it back to the library. Oh, of course. Yeah, I was thinking, where's my library? I'm just going to go yank that too. Awesome. All right. Well, there you go. Hot Breath of Verse. If you found this episode helpful, not only just support us by going to our website, hotbreathpodcast.com, subscribing to our YouTube and us on Spotify and iTunes, but let Felipe know. Let me know. If he was helpful in this episode, contact him directly on his website, on his social media. Let him know his time on Hot Breath was so well spent, he needs to come back again. What's up, fool? Anytime. Already. Did you trademark that? What's well, up, fool? No, I did, I, you did it one time? I did it one time. I don't know oh, if it's okay. still out there. Oh, okay. My wife was paying for that, and I trademarked uh, Mexican vegan <laughs> and um, what's up, fool, and um, Captain save Wow. But then I found out that um, I couldn't, uh, for real, I had a patent on Captain save, um, Captain save What? Like, I actually sent um, the cease, whatever? Mm-hmm. Cease, cease and, and assist? Cease, cease and assist. To a couple of people that were selling um, Captain Silverhole shirts, but later on, someone got me a, got a hold of me because oh. I had the Superman one, oh, Captain okay. Silverhole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. All right, Felipe Esparza, thank What's you so up, much. What's up, fool? E- we out here. What time is it? Two. Three <sighs> forty-two. Damn. What time is it? the first show? Can I get your autograph on these? This is all the research sure, that man. went into it. And uh, this will be the 
thumbnail for the, what we posted. Thank you, awesome. man. Thank you, man. That was great. That was great. You enjoyed it? I hope so. It was fun, man. Good. Hot Breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.